Hey guys, what's up? It's Murphy from Warcurse. This is Brittany Slays from Unleash the Archers. Hey, this is Dale from Endemize. This is Vicky Sarakis from The Agonist. This is Trevor from Obituary, and you're listening to The Great Metal Debate. Metal Debate fans, this is Brian. I'm sitting here in Nashville at the Exit Inn with Matt from Gruesome. Matt, welcome to the Great Metal Debate. Awesome. Thank you for having me. I love metal and I love debating. Well, then you are in the right spot, sir. Yeah. Why don't you just introduce yourself and just kind of tell quickly the members of the band and then give us a short history of the band. Uh, my name is Matt Harvey. I'm the guitarist, or one of the guitarists and a vocalist in Gruesome, um, along with uh, Daniel Gonzalez, who's sort of the featured lead guitar player, Gus Rios on drums, and the lovely and talented Miss Robin Mason on bass. Uh, I also play in a, a few other bands. I've, yeah. I've played in Exhumed for years and years since I was in high school, doing guitar and vocals there. Sweet. Um, I have another project that's like a traditional metal band called Pounder that is working on our first album right now. Um, oh, nice. And... Uh, the other members of the band also have quite a rich legacy. Dan plays for Possessed. Gus was in Malevolent Creation and many other Florida death metal bands. Uh, Robinson Castrator. And she also plays in a thrash metal cover band called Thrash Attack in Tampa. Nice. So we, were all, we all have sort of been around the block for a while. And uh, we're all friends before the oh, band yeah. started. And A cacophony of uh, metal talent mm-hmm. and lineage, man. I like that. That's cool. <laughs> Now, I ask everybody that I interview this because I always like to hear it. You know, you're sitting, you're in high school, middle school, you're listening to a, a band or a video or a particular song, a person, and you think, holy shit, this, this is the, this, I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. What, what was that moment? Is there a moment for you? Absolutely. I mean, I think for me, it was a very distinct, like, it was like a light switch turn on. And I think that I'm an atheist and I've, despise religion personally uh-huh. but I can understand that moment of the light bulb turning sure. on and you as Obi-Wan Kenobi says you, you've taken your first step into a larger world right and when I it was uh, just before Christmas in 1987 and I had just turned I guess 12 mm-hmm. maybe I was still 11 I'm not sure right I was 11 or 12 anyway and I remember they had the old you'll remember this the 12 mm-hmm. tapes for a penny oh yeah club thing and so, you know, I thought, I, you know, I, it was a lot faster to get 12 tapes for a penny than to right. use my allowance for 12 oh, yeah. weeks or whatever. So uh, I got all these tapes, and I was kind of listening through to Wasp and Dio and uh-huh. Maiden, Twisted Sister, Quiet Riot, yeah. White, yeah. White Snake. Um, and finally, at the very end, the last two cassettes I had were Master of Puppets and Peace Sells with Who's Mine. Oh, my God. And... I didn't know that much about them. I just knew that they were like a little bit more edgy or whatever. Right. So I, I put on the Master of Puppets tape, and I remember having a little Walkman and shit. And it was mm-hmm. Just sitting in my grandparents' house, and, and you know, I wanted to go to bed. And I'm just up, and I heard battery for the first time. Oh, and I was God. like, "What the fuck?" Yeah. I, mean, I stopped the tape after one song because I was just like, "Yeah, dude, like, what the fuck did I just hear?" And as that, soon as that's I a religious that, experience in and of itself. Right, man. right. I mean, that album is such a masterpiece, and to encounter it, you know, within the first, you know, maybe twenty metal albums I'd ever heard, 
and it was so different than Maiden and, and Ozzy and Priest and Dio and stuff at the uh-huh. time. Like it really was a whole it was. separate animal, and I was just hooked like instantly. That was like that was what I was obsessed with. I think the rest of the tapes just sat there for a week, and I just listened to Master <laughs> Puppets. And then finally, I was like, okay, I think I got the gist of this. Now I'm going to listen to this Megadeth tape, and I was like, oh, this is really good too. Sure. Um, but that was, you know, as soon as I heard that that fast beat, yeah. I was like, that's what I want, like mm. this, and that real chunky sure. palm meter guitar. That was that, that was the moment right there. Yeah. Most most people who who have that kind of epiphany identify with the just aggression and the rawness of it. Is that what attracted you to Absolutely, it? Absolutely, because you know, and especially it, it. The cool thing for me was that. The more I listened to it, and the more I learned about it, the more I liked it. Whereas some of the other stuff, maybe not so much. Like, right. you know, I, I still love that self-titled White Snake record, and you know, the guitar playing is amazing and the sure. production's great. But when I was a kid, I wasn't really comfortable with that sort of like overt male sexuality and like sure. the Robert Plant. I was like, yeah. I don't want to hear about this dude <laughs> getting chicks. Like, I'm 11, I can't get any yeah, chicks. Exactly. I got pimples and I read comic books. I don't know anything about this world. <laughs> But I was That's a angry. Freaking awesome statement right there, man. <laughs> I, I was angry, and I could relate to what Metallica was talking about. There, it's like, oh, yeah. H.P. Lovecraft, like, because mm-hmm. I was into comic books and sci-fi and horror and right. movies and tabletop role-playing games, and I was like, oh, like, I can relate to this Cthulhu stuff. I can relate to these songs that are about the horrors of war or whatever, you know. And I was right. like. I found the subject matter to be much more interesting than like, oh, I got a cool car, let's go get some pussy, sure, it's yeah. Friday, let's get yeah. fucked up. Um, and like I said, so it was just, a, and then when I saw the photo of them, they didn't have, you know, glittery jackets or mm-hmm. huge hair, right. or nobody had done their makeup, they were just four dudes. Right. And I, I'm from San Jose, which is, you know, 35 miles from San Francisco and Oakland and where all that scene was happening. Yeah. And so it was extremely relatable. To me, it was the first time I thought, hey, maybe I could be in a band. Because when I looked at, you know, Vivian Campbell or Jake E. Lee or right. these guys, I was like, there are some other animal. Like, exactly. I don't know what they yeah. are, but it's not me. Hair band, yeah. Right. And I, I like all those records still, but I just, it wasn't it, relatable. Right. Did, did you perchance play Dungeons and Dragons at some point in your life? Absolutely. I played D&D now. Oh, my partner and I have played for 40 years, oh, man. Awesome. That's, yeah, that's kind of how we started <laughs> together. Yeah, so... Uh, I just recently started playing again a few months ago with a couple guys from my work. Um, and we did a campaign, like, a, it was an elemental-type campaign, which oh, was kind of neat. It's, it was neat seeing how the dynamics... Uh, we have a pretty good DM, my buddy Terry, and uh, he was really adept at sort of taking the dynamics and... and Tweaking them enough that yeah. each encounter was sort of interesting. Like, oh, how does this work underwater? Like, what? Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so that was really fun. Well, that's cool. And now I'm I'm GMing a game that's uh, we're using the old TSR Marvel superheroes. Oh, nice. System. Yeah, yeah. I like it. It's real simple and flexible, and it keeps it moving. Yeah. Quickly, so. right. Anyway, yeah. My partner in the podcast, he he he's a pretty good DM, but don't tell him that because he's a dick. <laughs> You're a dick. I just want you to know. <laughs> so. Um, so let me ask some uh, obligatory questions. You know, obligatory. I mean, you know, your eleven days. Is it? Uh, how's the tour going, if you will? Oh, the tour's awesome. Uh, you know, Exhumed had toured with Obituary previously, and so you've played with these guys before. Yeah, or yeah. Some form. So yeah. we already, you know, I, I knew them, and everyone else in the band, being from Florida, they all know these guys. So gotcha. it's super laid back, super easygoing. Um, 
they've been very kind to have us on the bus with them. And sure. To save time and money and space and everything else, we're using their back line. So, I mean, I can't say enough nice things about yeah. the guys. And it's like, what, 11 days? Is that right? I mean, pretty like intense 11 days, though, man. I mean, you're like, here, 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 boom. Oh, it's just a normal tour. The, what was it? What is it? The Redneck? Uh, <laughs> redneck run. Nice. Yeah. Very <laughs> it's the one guy from California. I'm like, I don't know, man. They got like a tractor on the t-shirt. I don't know. <laughs> so, I mean, a big part of uh, the podcast is the actual debate. I love the, you know, uh, it's interesting you're an atheist. You know, I play in the church band and stuff like that. We, we could have that debate. I love that too. But, but uh, uh, so like everything I play sounds like, you know, the praise and worship sounds like Angus on the guitar all the time. So, uh, Hey, well, man, that's where you get good chops, man. Oh, like, I know that. Fucking gospel kids. Nobody they makes a talk. Like oh, yeah. Chops, man. Um, so, genre. You know, there are 100 million genres right now. Is that important to you? Do you like... Are you opposed to labeling yourself? Do you, I mean, you obviously no, have a certain... not at all. ...certain uh, position, which we're going to talk about in a minute, but... Well, I think to me, like, as a kid uh, growing up... Um, I was a big comic book collector, and, uh, mm-hmm. and I was also a big reader. Right. And one of the things that you learn at comic book stores and at libraries is classifying and organizing things. Sure, yeah. Like, that's part of the fun of collecting comics is, like, you move and you alphabetize all your comics again, and you go through, and you're like, oh, I forgot right. I had this or whatever. So, to me, it was very important. A combination right. of that and growing up in the Bay Area where... Um, if you're from Oakland, San Francisco, San Jose, mm-hmm. you sort of have an innate distaste for Los Angeles. Oh, really? And anything Los Angeles related, because the LA scene was poison and rad Hair and, bands, and all yeah. that stuff. I, I liked all those bands when I was like 11, and I liked them as an adult, but sure. as a teenager, I was like, fuck them. Right, yeah. And I loved the oppositional nature of it, that it was like there's a counterbalance. On one hand, you have Rat, and on the other hand, you have Exodus. Right. And there's a clear demarcation. Yes, they're both playing rock music with loud guitars and stuff, but one is a, is a street-level, sort of angry, visceral yes. kind of thing, and then the other is sort of a glitz and glamour, like, let's get chicks kind of thing. Right, yeah. And so, to me, I, I, I really like that categorization, and as a young metal guy... I was always, you know, like most kids, I wanted to hear something faster, I wanted to hear something heavier. Like, what's faster right. than Metallica? Slayer. Right. What's faster than Slayer? Oh, Pleasure <laughs> to Kill. What's faster than that? Cryptic Slaughter. Like, exactly. whatever. Yeah. And um, so, again, it, it became, once I got a little bit older and I'd been, you know, started going to shows and stuff, mm-hmm. and you could see how many people, like, I, mean, I remember seeing Metallica in 89, and I was like, this is like a stadium full of people. Like, yeah. I don't relate to these people. They got like Def Leppard shirts on and shit. Oh, They're just yeah. like yeah. regular people. It doesn't mean that Metallica music wasn't awesome, no, but the crowd, I was like, I want my own thing. Yeah. And so that drove me further underground. And what I liked about getting into Death Metal it was that, again, it was oppositional to Thrash mm-hmm. because Thrash had gotten so popular. Yeah. I was sort of complacent and it had lost a lot of the bands were losing their edge, you know. My favorite example is like the first Exodus album. It's about you know kicking in your face and raping and murdering exactly. your wife. And then by the time Impact is Imminent came out, which is album four, yeah, yeah, album four, and there's like an anti-drunk driving song. <laughs> and that to me is the most emblematic example of what why thrash went away is because it became so potentially successful that yeah. so many bands kind of declawed themselves. Because they're like, well, hey, Metallica's 
fucking making zillions. Yeah. Slayer's making a lot of money. Like, right. why can't we do this? Like, what's missing? And anyway, so so to me, again, it was like, well, now I'm not into drag. You know, when you're 15, yeah. whatever you liked when you were 14 sucks. So when exactly. I was 15, I was like, I'm into death metal. I'm into obituary and, and Napalm Death and Terrorizer and yeah. these yeah. bands. Not Metallica, not Slayer, not Megadeth. I'm into this. And, you know, again, when death metal sort of got bigger and became a bit complacent, and then black metal came out and it oh, was yeah. more edgy and dangerous mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. That's how trends work. I mean, it's a, yeah, it really is. You know, an interesting comparison, I just interviewed Trevor of Obituary, and you know, I asked him the same genre right. question. You two guys are on the same tour, you kind of like the same music, and, and I said, so are you interested in that? He's like, we don't give a shit. No, and no. whereas you, you know, you you are a little more concerned with it, but yet you have the same brotherhood. You meet somewhere oh, yeah. in the middle, and and it's the metal that, unite, that unites us. Absolutely, and, and I mean, it's always interesting getting different people's takes on it, and yeah, with Trevor, he's a few years older than me, and obviously, Executioner was, I mean, right. doing demos in like, what, 85? 80, 84 was their first like year. 84. Right. So, I mean, that's the beginning of death metal. So, I think when you're. It's really interesting to me because I meet a lot of guys that are a bit older than me, like Matt and Scott from Repulsion and, and the obituary guys and so on and so forth. Right. And they came from a background of like hard rock, like new wave of British heavy metal. Yeah. And that kind of stuff, and then immediately took it in this different direction. Whereas for me, it all seemed, at least the way I in hindsight, it was very <laughs> systematic. You know, yeah. first there was radio rock, then there was like sunset strip metal, then there was like Iron Maiden, right. then there was you know whatever traditional metal, then there was yeah. thrash metal, then there was death metal and grindcore, and mm-hmm. then I stopped. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's sort of cyclical. It comes back around. It's all different. Oh, absolutely. Um, now, since since we're talking about genres and very specific things, let's talk about gruesome and <laughs> sort of what you guys do, how you define yourself. I mean, you have a very I don't want to say purpose, but you oh, have a certain aim. Absolutely. I mean, it's in, it, it's a it's a trippy situation because gruesome. Just in case someone's not familiar with us, like to get out of the way, like we are. Uh, a ch- we're a tribute band, basically. We're a death right. homage band. And it's something that you don't really see that much in popular music. Right. Um, it's something that you see more in film where, like, say, uh, the Mel Brooks movie High Anxiety. Yeah. He directly takes these cinema, uh, the cinematography and all these sort right. of directorial cues from Hitchcock mm-hmm. yeah. and then employs them to make a comedy. But... It's actually a pretty amazing movie because Hitchcock is so such a highly regarded director. And here you have the guy who does like Blazing Saddles cribbing his shots and, and, and Absolutely, taking, yeah. like really taking his vocabulary and speaking with it, which I think is really impressive. Yeah. Quentin Tarantino is a big homage guy, whatever. Mm-hmm. The light, the latest Star Wars movie is absolutely yeah, the definitely. same thing that we're doing with music mm-hmm. where it it feels or what we hope is that our record feels like a death album. And that we have specific parts that are callbacks right. to death riffs, and part of the fun is, hopefully, the the, the again the idea. Yeah. Part of the fun is that as a death fan, listen to a death tribute band, you're like, oh shit, that's kind of like that part from yeah song X, and that's kind of like that part from song Y. Like, oh cool, and you recognize it, and we're kind of like, it's a wink. I've heard yeah. you talk about using uh, almost like cinematic. Uh, 
uh, effects and 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 like ways like you play a death riff backwards or right. something to that effect, and, or you know, it's a different speed, a different version. Right. I mean, I, I mean, talk it's, a little about that. It's weird because I think the the. The, the normal assumption is that you start a band and you're expressing yourself. Like, mm-hmm. you're, you know, people have this idea. I think that's why they get so mad about the gory lyrics and, and death metal or whatever. Sure. Versus, nobody thinks that Wes Craven is out there killing people. Yeah. But people thought that Chris Barnes was killing Eating people. Eating babies, right, sacrificing to Satan. Yeah. Right. That's hilarious. So the assumption is that if you're writing a song, you're speaking from direct experience mm-hmm. or you're really expressing your innermost feelings. Right. And this is really not about that. This is more just about expressing the admiration for the death records that we love. And it's, it's. I mean, I call it like, it's like method acting, you know? Mm-hmm. Where a guy like Daniel Day-Lewis or whatever, if he has to play a boxer, like he goes and trains yeah. and becomes like a really bo- fucking yeah. good boxer. Yeah. And so he's not a guy playing a boxer. He is a boxer being filmed. Sure, yeah. And so what we're trying to do is... is get inside Chuck's head or his shoes or whatever you want to call it and create songs that he would have you know created yeah Yeah. I mean can you imagine what music would be like you know death metal would be like today if Chuck had kept continuing to learn and play right absolutely and hopefully through you they're able to do that I mean we kind of see a version of that I think well we you know when we first started doing this we didn't really think Ahead, I didn't really think that much of it. I thought it was kind of like a, a I mean, like a novelty record or whatever. Sure, yeah. You know? But I, I really underestimated the, the, the passion that death bands have oh, yeah. to hear more of this stuff, and they've been very kind to us because mm-hmm. you know we've kind of tried to pick up the torch, and it's it's a big set of shoes to step. Sure, into. yeah. And they've been very kind to us and very supportive, mm-hmm. and I underestimated that people would want someone to do this and clearly it seems like they do and I, I'm very fortunate that people have been accepting of what we've had to offer. Well, I mean, he is one of the most, maybe the most influential musician for death metal, you know, that there that there is. I mean, definitely right. top five, you know. Absolutely. Now, I, I heard you talk about in another interview and I wanted to ask you about this. Uh-oh. The writing process. No, it's a, the writing process. And, you know, you do your homage and that sort of thing but you also talked about having to I don't know whether you call it grow as an artist, but you originally kind of just sound just like death, but you want to increase the technicality and yet stay true to the original intent. Well, what, what I want to do is, I, I mean, now that we kind of have realized that the band has some traction and mm-hmm. people are interested in what we're doing and there's going to be more records and so on and so forth, is that we want to follow the progression that death took throughout their discography, yeah. Yeah. which is fun for me because, you know, it's it's a bit of a challenge to kind of you know if people are familiar with Exhum, it's not much of a stretch for them to think that I'm really into screen body gore like right. it seems yeah. natural. Mm-hmm. But you know when as we move forward, you know I think it's it's a challenge for me to sort of break out of of my little death metal thing to to do something that will be more like symbolic or right. even of those later records because it's not necessarily what comes naturally to me. Sure and. Um, but it is fun to play, and it's it's neat. I mean, when I was playing with Death Hall, I remember we were we were playing the Philosopher and uh, Trapped in a Corner and some of these songs. Yeah, and people came up to me like, "Man, I never knew you were that good of a guitar player." I was like, "I mean, it's not any more difficult than Exhumed. It's just 
clearer and it's yeah. played in a higher pitch. Exactly. And so it's like it's my personal challenge to myself to like, all right, I want to, I would, I feel like we've done an okay job so far, and I want to move forward and challenge myself to also do what Chuck did, and, and he challenged himself with every record, oh, which definitely. I admire, you know. Well, let's talk about. It. I mean, from from Savage Land, which came out in uh, 2015, right. to uh, Fragments, uh, <laughs> now it's 2017. Right. What you know? What would what, you? Would you consider yourself uh, progressing in, in just the musicality of it? The, that's not the right word. The, the musicianship of sure. it? Uh, definitely. I mean, I think what, we did the first record, and like I said, we didn't really have a plan. So we went and did Dimensions of Horror because we're like, oh, fuck. Well, if we're going to do this, we skipped right. the first record. <laughs> so we, we were like, we got to squeeze this one in as yeah. quick as we yeah. can. And so that's sort of our Scream Buddy Gore thing. Yeah. Um, Later this year, we'll be recording a new album that will be sort of our take on spiritual healing. Uh, and I mean, for me, like, what will I, you follow that pattern on? That, that? That's what we're doing. Gotcha. Yeah, it's going to go chronologically. But for me, what what I do for fun is, you know, some people. I, I like sports and stuff, but I would rather just sit around and like write music. Yeah. So I'm always writing songs, and you know, I have the, the new album is already it's been written for a few months, mm-hmm. and I here and there I'll just write a song. So it's, oh, it's done. Compositionally, yeah, wise. we haven't recorded yeah. yet, but from the composition standpoint, and you know, I'll just come up with something and I'll just put it away for later. Like, so mm-hmm. we already have like a couple songs that are mm-hmm. more like human, a couple songs that maybe will be yeah. more like individual or so on and so forth that we will return to. And Gus, uh, the way Fragments came about again, we're sort of skipping around to the sure, yeah, yeah. Um, Gus is is really good friends with Sean mm-hmm. I mean I'm friends with Sean but they're like super right. tight and you know he hit him up I mean Gus is sort of uh, I mean, he's like our Lars Ulrich like he's the guy <laughs> he's got the gift of gab sure yeah. he, he's, he'll sell you on the band I'll be like well, I don't know maybe it's not that good like I don't know if you're gonna like it Gus is like it's great oh it's good and it, so he, yeah. sold, he sold Sean on, on playing a track with us Yeah. and so I had this song written that was sort of more like human uh-huh. and you know, to, to me, it's kind of a big deal to yeah. have the guy that played you know, play one of our songs. Yeah. And, you know, and Terry plays Pull the Plug with us on this tour, and that's a huge deal to me. It's like, right. you know, these are guys when I was a kid, and like, <gasps> yeah. Terry Butler, oh my God. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, um, so that writing process, I mean, you're sort of the West Coast guy versus right. the East Coast guy. You're the uh, Tupac, if you will, of the, uh, <laughs> of right. the death metal genre. Immortal, yeah. So how does that writing process work? Is it piecemeal? You send them this, they send you back? and Well, the beauty of this band that has just allowed us to to move quickly and continue releasing stuff and continue mm-hmm. writing stuff is that both Dan and Gus are professional engineers. Right. Um, I mean, that's not the whole... That's what they do for a living, but oh, yeah. they're both, you know, professional level engineers. Yeah, that's a huge. If you needed one of them to like record an album for you, it would sound great. Yeah. And so, with that, I'm able to, to compose demos of songs, mm-hmm. send them to those guys, right? And then they, you know, basically, yeah. right? They bring it to life. I send them the the, the marionette, and then they bring they, they come back with Pinocchio. He's right. walking. He's talking. He's doing nice. Everything. And so the composition process just goes so quickly. Uh-huh. Um, 
with exhumed, we still like go into a rehearsal room like twice a week and be like, this riff goes like this, do, 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 play it ten times, whatever. Right. And it's so much more smooth with gruesome to be <laughs> So that has just been a boon mm-hmm. to the band. And, you know, I'm one of the, I'm always doing different stuff. And I'm always kind of like, wherever the momentum is gathering, that's where I'll put my attention. That's, yeah. That's yeah. my inclination. Gotcha. And with these guys, it just it never stops because, like I said, I give them, you know, grapes and then they bring me wine and it's great. Right. That's awesome. So now I think you've kind of answered this already, but what's next for Gruesome? Well, we're doing this tour um, and then we are getting back in the studio before too long. Mm-hmm. Um, we're continuing to work with uh, Jared Pritchard, who uh, did the mixing on Savage Land and then did the engineering and mixing, and mixing uh, right. on Dimensions of Horror. We just did the new Exhumed record with him as well. Um, and he's going to be recording everything in Orlando. Yeah. Um, we've been sort of, you know, trying to do as much research, as much research, excuse me, yeah. as we can about how spiritual healing was recorded from the amps used to the mics wow. and so on and so forth. Yeah. Because, I mean, it is a pretty thorough process with us. We don't yeah. just be like, oh, it sounds like that's good enough. Like, we think about the guitar tone, we think about the, the, the drum tones, yeah. and the way things were recorded. Uh, you know, there's three rhythm guitar tracks. You, you're eventually going to get to tape and do it that way? Uh, well, you know, it's too expensive. <laughs> that hurts you uh, say, I, yeah. I would love to, to do tape, but it's just too expensive. Right, right. Um, but yeah, Leprosy has three rhythm guitar tracks. Uh, Spiritual Healing has four. So, wow. we're, you know, we're speaking with everybody from James Murphy to the obituaries front of house guy worked at Morristown for years Dan was picking his brain last night and and like I said the fact that Gus and Dan are engineers they have that scrutiny and that attention to detail that gets it to the same sort of sonic place that death was at because you know you can write a riff but then if you you know use a different amp it doesn't sound anything exactly. like exactly yeah yeah it's very very technical and right. precise and and of course we're using Ed Repka for the artwork yeah. once again great stuff that, that's just I mean to me like the first three death albums are defined by the imagery they're oh, so yeah, important yeah. and Ed Repka's been great I mean I've never met the guy never even spoken to him but right He's hit it out of the park for us twice in a row, so I mean, I'm just couldn't be happy. Savage Land was awesome. I, I love that exactly yeah, That's thinking. great. So, where can fans get music and merchandise for Gruesome? Uh, well, we we have merchandise available via JSR on their website, and of course via Relapse, our label. Um, I mean, this is the part of the interview is I'm really bad. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> But Actually, we we'll look it up and put it up there for <laughs> okay, you. So you're right, right. Yeah, yeah, but we, I know we, we work with JSR. We have tons of stuff to relapse. Sure. And, yeah. Um, yeah, it's I mean, I, You can get off the website, too. Yeah. Uh, like the Facebook page or anything. I've seen that. Probably, yeah. Yeah, you can. Definitely. Yeah. I saw that. Um, <laughs> so, Matt from Gruesome, thank you very much for the interview. Thank you. Thank you.